This podcast of Art to Lunch is brought to you by Balance Integrative Health, a medical clinic where traditional and alternative medical practitioners work together to treat the whole you. Insurance accepted. Go to bihnola.com, write Out to Lunch in the coupon code, and get 20% off your first visit to Balance Integrative Health. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Fidelity Bank, Resource Management LLC, Luba Workers Comp, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business... New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. The revolution in New Orleans that gave us charter schools is now considered to be a major success and is even a model for other cities. The interesting thing about revolutions we're discovering is that they don't stop. They tend to attract more revolutionaries. Take, for example, Cherie Melanson-Franz. Cherie is the founder of Thinkarella. Thinkarella is a mobile science lab for elementary and middle school kids when they tackle complex science by making it fun and exciting. Thinkarella is currently available in 15 New Orleans schools and is expanding to the North Shore and Baton Rouge. And they also do kids' birthday parties. Cherie, welcome out to lunch. Hi, thanks for having me. On the other end of the education spectrum, it's a little less fun in games. Whetstone Education is a platform that was developed in New Orleans for school principals to evaluate and improve teacher performance. Whetstone is used by charter schools in New Orleans and is spreading across the country. The CEO of Whetstone is Libby Fisher. Libby, welcome out to lunch. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to have you. I have heard about both of you folks for a while. Very good to have you on the show. Libby, one of the hallmarks of a revolution is the breaking away from everything that came before, uh, led typically by people who don't follow orders. Obviously, teachers need to be managed and standards have to be met and maintained. But how does an evaluation system allow change to continue and not freeze the revolution into a, a point in time? Uh, well, that's a great question, Peter. And um, I want to take a second just to frame what we do. Um, in addition to evaluation, we also focus on teacher coaching and development. So Whetstone originally began as um, a place to, to manage teacher evaluations and keep track of all of that data. It's grown and evolved into a platform for those revolutionary school leaders um, who have, you know, big ideas about the best way to help teachers grow um, in addition to taking a yearly evaluation. Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. And so um, Whetstone has grown to support those, um, those different processes um, of, of a school leader being in a teacher's classroom, um, identifying what those pieces are that they need to work on um, to improve next week, not just throughout the whole school year. So this coaching process is something that we believe is ongoing and we, we've work to design our technology um, to facilitate that ongoing process of learning for teachers. Now Libby, uh, I know we've seen this in our own classes, when somebody comes into your class and you know they're sort of checking your style or whatever, it kind of makes the teacher sometimes a little uncomfortable. How do you get past that? Um, 
You know, it depends on the school. With many of our school partners, um, they have developed a culture of observation. So whereas a once a year teacher evaluation might be higher stakes and cause a teacher to be nervous, um, many of our partners, I would say most of our partners, are in, in their teachers' classrooms every week. So this process of observation is taking these small pieces, they're, they're not as high stakes um, uh, interactions, and so teachers become very used, not, not only used to um, their leader being in their classroom, but um, it's a time where they know they're going to be receiving feedback that will help them grow. So um, the entire culture of a school shifts um, when you have this ongoing process of coaching happening um, to a much more welcoming environment. Wow, now, now Cherie, messing around with little kids doing science experiments sounds like something between a lot of fun and a custodial nightmare, uh, but I would have thought that part of the charter school revolution would have been to give kids a solid education in the sciences as part of the curriculum. Is that not happening? And why is there a need and a market for Thinkorella? I think there's always a need for more. There's always a need for more. And STEAM is science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Oh, that's and how you went from STEM. Incorporating yes. art into the sciences opens up a whole new world for them. And um, so we are currently in talks with some charter schools to get in, but we are mostly in parochial schools in the New Orleans area right now. Um, but they get to come, they put on a lab coat, they put on safety goggles, and we turn something as ordinary as Christmas lights. Um, each kid recently had their own individual Christmas light, and they were given a battery and a paper clip, and they got to make it light up on their own. And they got to bring that home with them, and I've heard from parents who say, like, oh, you know, my son taught his sister everything that he just learned. And to leave, the, everybody's given a, um, their lesson, then they're given uh, a real-world application, then they're given um, a way to bring that learning home once they get back. And so parents have said that he's come home and we've looked up um, you know, Mr. Wizard from all, because we had Mr. Wizard, but sure. I don't find that they don't really have anything like that right now. And so um, they have been loving every second of it, and feedback's been amazing. Tell me about the, the actual facility. Are you like, um, is it a bus? Are you like Mrs. Frizzle? So <laughs> I would love to be like Mrs. Frizzle. <laughs> She's one of my favorites. But um, no, so I actually hire teachers from each, because I'm only one person. I hire teachers from each school to facilitate the program. And um, so every, I have a program for pre-K through first, I have a program for second through fourth, and one for fifth through seventh. And um, it just, by happenstance, what has happened is each teacher then gets supplemental income. So last semester we had 17 teachers on board, and this semester we're gonna have double that. So I see what's, what's going on. So in other words, this school wouldn't view you as a, uh, a threat coming in. You're actually, it's their own teachers that are they're putting this together. Correct, unless they specify otherwise. Like I do have some teachers on staff that are there in case a teacher can't make it or anything like that. But for the most part, it's their teachers. And they're already uh, familiar with the kids. They're already familiar with the campus. And I also hire teachers to write the curriculum. So I started off doing birthday par parties. Parents have come. They loved it so much. They said, you should come to our school. So then I call their school and I say, 
you know, I'm with Thinkorella, this is what we do, and then I go in, and once they see photographs and hear me speak, they're like, done. It's a done deal. So you've repra replaced the creepy clown at birthday parties? That I is would love to say I replaced the creepy clown. God, I am scared <laughs> to death of those people. They, uh, now, let me, let me ask, how does Whetstone actually get employed in the classroom? How does that part happen? Whetstone is um, most often used by a school leader or an instructional coach, um, someone on the school leadership team that is providing that ongoing feedback to their teachers. Um, Whetstone is also used by teachers because that's where their feedback is stored. Um, and so when it comes to the classroom, our focus is directly on the teacher, whereas many ed tech solutions focus on the student. Um, so we think that a you know, our key lever in terms of improving school outcomes is helping teachers to develop. So um, one piece of that is the coaching and those pieces of feedback their uh, leaders are sharing. And another piece is resource sharing through the platform. So videos of exemplar teaching, articles, um, being able to be connected with teachers in your content area, but maybe across the city or across the country as we're moving nationally. So building a professional learning community um, within the tool. Um, and and so when the tool isn't just limited to the classroom and what's happening, we want teachers um, to the extent that it makes sense for them to be able to drive their own development um, kind of with the guidance of their instructional coach. When I was a teacher in the Mississippi Delta, um, I actually taught at two schools. So I had two principals and um, a, a coach from Teach for America to help me improve as a teacher. And, um, you know, unfortunately, in the two years I was teaching, between those three people, um, I was observed for a total of 45 minutes. <laughs> so um, I didn't get that much feedback um, from, from above and from experts. And so that really drives my work at Whetstone because when I talk with school leaders in New Orleans and around the country about, you know, their philosophies on instructional leadership and these complex systems they've built, I, I continually find myself asking the same question. If she were my principal, would I still be teaching? And, and that's a really important question and um, a question that stirs up a lot of emotions for me, but it's what drives my work um, at Whetstone every day. Now, Shri, I was, I was joking with you earlier about going from STEM to STEAM, and it's because you've got the arts in there. How does the arts relate to science. We, so many people think that that's the, the other side of the brain and, and all of that. How does it tie together? Well, I have to say, uh, my daughter is uh, gonna be 12 next week. She had a birthday party at a spa and I brought her and her friends. They had their makeup done, they got their nails done and I sat there just watching, because they don't really want me to be a part of it. I just kind of sit back now at the age of 11 and 12. <laughs> it's, it's more, you know, I, I'm, I'm more of a spectator than anything else. But so I watched the whole thing. And as I'm watching them, I'm thinking they are 11 years old. And is this the message I want to be sending my 11 year old that beauty's on the outside? And why couldn't they learn something while they were sitting there? And so on the drive home, it was killing me. And on the drive home, I just <laughs> thought, how would I do that better? How in the world would I do that better? And I said, well, they could make their own lip gloss, and they could talk about chemistry, and they could make bath bombs or what have you. And, and bath, uh, the bombs? On, bath bombs? Bath bombs. They're fizzies. You put oh, them in the bathtub, and then they, it's a girl uh, thing. Okay, good. It's probably best. <laughs> so, I don't know. But anyway, so when I got home, I told my husband, you know, I think I could do that better. And he's like, okay. And the next morning I woke up, and I'm like, it's Thinkorella, and I'm going to do this. <laughs> and that's kind of how it works. <laughs> And, sci and science and art go hand in hand all the time. Fireworks, they're like pieces of art, and that's all science. 
And so we do things all the time where we show both aspects. Much more dangerous than the bath bomb. Right. Yes, a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> now, who at Whetstone is the expert in education? I mean, uh, you have a background. Is are you the you the education person? Um, I wouldn't say that I am uh, the education expert. Um, what has been interesting about forming a company in New Orleans is that this charter revolutionary environment, as you called it, um, has allowed us to see lots of instructional coaching processes up close. So. What we have, you know, part of our, our building process has actually been taking cues from the partners we work with. So rather than having to employ an instructional expert with one specific um, ideology or methodology, we have designed our technology to adapt to the systems that, of the schools we work with. So um, we're able, you know, if school A in one part of the city um, has an ideology that they follow, we can adapt to that and take their expertise to build and customize their site directly to their needs. Um, if school B has a different method, we can customize it to their needs. So we've found that especially in a charter environment like New Orleans but the rest of the country, um, people are looking for technology that has a basic functionality that can be adapted to what they're doing. They don't want to be told, you know, this is the only way to do instructional coaching um, or help teachers develop. They, they want to be able to imagine their systems within our technology and we can really do that um, the way that we've built Let me it. Help me out on some, what would be a couple of things that a coach would mention to a teacher that probably pretty common? Absolutely. Um, the basic process, um, one, one that, that's very common that we see in New Orleans especially, is um, you know, a, a coach sits in the back of a classroom for 20, 30 minutes, and they identify a key action step that a teacher can work on for the next five to seven days um, to help them grow in the classroom. One of those might be that when students are working on their independent work, circulate throughout the room. Rather than going to your desk and grading papers, which is something that I did when I was in the classroom, so you had a lot to do, walk around the room, aggressively monitor what students are, are writing or their answers and understand you know, exactly where their learning is breaking down if you're noticing incorrect answers. That'd be one example. Wow, that's, uh, and of course that's all I remember teachers doing is hiding in the front of the, hiding in the front of the room. That's, uh, no wonder this is getting so difficult. Right. The uh, interesting thing I was going to mention was I read a story in the New York Times not long ago about how Silicon Valley was starting to realize, all those venture capital folks, that this edutech was, you know, has gone from being kind of cute to real financial viability. I mean, is that what you folks are see? Absolutely. I would completely agree. And I'm not sure, Cherie, if you've felt this. Um, the way that our um, technology works, one of the most interesting parts of our our model is that the sales cycle for education technology for us is about nine months, so that course of the school year. And um, especially for an administrative team that has a process, process that they've trained everybody on, it's hard mid-school year to change things up. So um, for us, um, with EdTech, that has been both a challenge and an opportunity to figure out um, you know, just what we can do with our product in order to make it something that's easy to step into mid-year. That's something we've really had to work That would make sense, on. that everybody would probably say next school year. And, uh, Absolutely, that's a common refrain. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of next semester, mm -hmm. last semester. Mm -hmm. So this semester, we're, we're doubled. I mean, we've grown by two. Let's check the <laughs> inbox. Our producer picks a question that's come in over the past week. And uh, uh, Grant, what have you got? 
Peter, I've got one question for both of our guests today. It's uh, sort of appropriate and strange at the same time. It comes from Junior Achievement on Twitter who asks, what advice would you give a teen entrepreneur for forming a startup? I'll start. Okay. Um, so what I would say was, don't hold back. Go for it. The one thing I've learned from all this is that you can talk until your face is blue, but if you don't actually act on what you're, what you're dreaming, then it's nothing but a dream. So meet the right people, go out and talk to adults who might have any sort of impulse, or do what I did, which is just jump into the water without any sort of flotation device and hope that you don't drown. <laughs> More safety tips. There's a, what about you, Olivia? <laughs> to echo what Cherie said, I would say, in addition to acting, talk to everyone about it. Talk to your friends, talk to parents, talk to adults, teachers. Um, what do you get out of those conversations? Constant feedback and refinement of your ideas. Because um, whatever your idea ends up being, you're going to have a specific set of users. Not everyone's going to need your product, but someone will. And you want to really understand who your user is, what their needs are, and you can't do that by guessing um, or assuming how they're going to interact with the product. You have to ask them what they want, what they like that you've built so far, and how it can be improved and really um, understand what they need. Good idea. Now, Sherry and Libby, I want to take a minute to introduce you to Ashley Bowen. Uh, we met Ashley through 52 businesses who specialize in uncovering entrepreneurs in the very, very early stages of development. And Ashley's entrepreneurial idea is called Nine Volt Kids, or Battery Sherry. They, uh, <laughs> they, uh, I'm going to give Ashley one minute to tell you about it. Then I'm going to give each of you a chance to ask Ashley one question, uh, a question that you think she'll need to be able to answer to, to move her business uh, forward. Ashley, give us your one minute pitch. Okay, so um, I, again, I'm Ashley. I'm a special education case manager with one of the high-performing charter schools here. Um, and I have made it my mission to change the way that math is taught and learned. Um, and in my experience and from my research, I have found that students learn best by doing and by using visuals and having manipulatives that they can, um, or they can learn better with their hands. Um, and I've also found that students are very disconnected from the math that they're studying in schools. And it's not relevant to their lives. Like, why are we learning equations? Why are we learning scientific notation in the eighth grade? Um, and I really like getting these questions, but they're also very hard questions because it's very abstract, the higher levels that you get. Um, but I also feel that they're already solving important math problems, like how do you split tabs when you all go out to eat, or who is a better musician according to like record sales or something like that. Um, and Nine Volt Kids, the app, um, is not like most apps that would like gamify traditional math textbook problems. It would be a virtual world that they could navigate and encounter problems that they would solve um, mathematically um, that would also be Common Core aligned. So it would deepen their conceptual understanding of the, co of the material that they may already be learning. Um, and it's also interesting and relevant to what you know, they're already interested in. My first question is, how are you going to get um, students using the app? Is it going to be through schools or are you going to be marketing directly to students? Initially for getting users, 
Um, there would be a lot of, of user testing and getting it out, you know, where I think it would be easiest to start with schools and places where kids are already kind of gathered and like, hey, try this out. I know lots of teachers. I work in a school right now, um, and I think that that would be the easiest place to start. Is it going to be a pay app or is it going to be free? So there would be a freemium model where um, you would you can use the app for free, but if you want access to more levels or, um, I don't know, secret levels or something like that, then there would be a, a model where the students would pay. Okay. Ashley, thanks so much for coming by Thank today. Thank you for having me. This is going to be great. We'll look forward to following your progress uh, with 9-volt kids. Uh, we're going to stick around for a little longer uh, after the show and talk some more about 9-volt kids. Uh, you'll be able to hear the rest of that conversation with Ashley Bowen on our website, itsneworleans.com. Uh, Sharif Melanson, friends, uh, Libby Fisher, 10 years ago, if a psychic had told me I'd be having lunch with business colleagues who are among the country's leading thinkers in education, I would have assumed by then that I had moved to Seattle. But that is, that is not the case. It's, it's very positive for New Orleans that a second generation of companies like yourselves are growing um, out of the change in the business environment and the education environment here. Uh, thank you both so much for joining me on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thanks for having us. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Cherie Melanson-Franz, a founder of Thinkerella, and Libby Fisher, CEO of Whetstone Education. You can find out more about Thinkerella and Whetstone by following the links on our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle, the often referred to as Little Miss Sunshine. Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Uh, Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. And you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's neworleans.com and www.no.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from Baton Rouge-based PreSonus Audio Electronics. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Fidelity Bank, Resource Management LLC, Luba Workers Comp, and 30 North Investments. 